Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Very good. Now, I hope you've had a good day today. And I'm sure you're tired and sunburnt, all of that, but I want you to try to give me your very best attention for the next few minutes. And uh, this is the last evening meeting that I get to be with you. I'll be with you all day tomorrow, and I'm excited about that. But I've enjoyed my time back at Southland, and seeing God work has encouraged my heart. Some of you asked today how we could stay in touch, and so I brought a few, not many that I have, but a few prayer cards and a few uh, devotional bookmarks and I laid them on the back basketball goal on the base at the bottom. So on your way out, if you want to take one, stay in touch with us. I'd love to hear from you. And I'm just excited to see what God's going to do with your life. I want to try to bring everything tonight to one thing, to one thing. And I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment. We're not having the invitation already, but I want to start tonight where we stopped last night. And right where you sit right now, I want you to pray. Dear God, please speak to me. And now I want you to remember what you told the Lord last night. Remember? Lord, whatever you tell me, the answer is yes. Now, Father, I pray tonight in the next few moments that you will do something exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or even think according to your power that works inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to open your Bible with me in the New Testament to my favorite book of the Bible. It is the book of Philippians. I, I like all scripture. All scripture, of course, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Somebody said their favorite book was whatever one they were reading at the time. I agree with that. I like it all. But I love the book of Philippians, and I find myself going back to it again and again because Philippians is a book of Christian joy. And once you've found Philippians, I want you to sit up and look at me for just a moment, and I want to tell you, I still believe that God's people ought to be the happiest people on planet Earth. And I think one of the sad things that I see across the country is I meet people who say they're Christians, but they're moping around all the time like they're enduring life instead of enjoying life. And if I was a lost person, I wouldn't want what most Christians have. And the truth of the matter is, God's people ought to have such the joy of Jesus in their heart, in their life, that other people are attracted and drawn to the Christ that lives inside of us. Paul is writing from a prison cell of all places when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I bring you now to Philippians chapter number three. We'll begin with one verse, but I'm gonna ask you to keep your Bible open because the verses that come after this verse, we're gonna walk through in just a moment. And I want you to have your journal ready because I'm gonna give you a list to write down tonight. It all links to one thing, one thing only, 
But I want you to write these things down because they all come from Scripture and I'm going to ask you to do something with them when we're done. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. The bottom line is, the greatest Christian that ever lived, the Apostle Paul, 30 years after getting saved, says, I haven't arrived yet. May I just tell you, if Paul hadn't arrived, you and I haven't arrived. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I'm still on the journey. He makes an interesting statement. He said, I want to apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. Literally, he said, somebody's grabbed me. Somebody's captured me. Something's gotten a hold of me, and now I want to get a hold of the one who got a hold of me. I want to discover why God found me. I want to find with my life why the Lord sought me and brought me to himself. Can I tell you something? I think this one verse is the definition of what the Christian life is all about. Look, please. It is not a destination. It's a journey. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a prayer. It's a path. Look, it's not one day or one moment. No, no. It is a lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's going to end someday when we see him and we become like him face to face. What a day that's going to be. The greatest day you're ever going to live, friend, is the day you meet Jesus face to face. But for now, you're not there yet. Now, I want you to take your pen tonight and I want you to mark three little words in verse number 12. Would you mark them right in the heart of the verse? I follow after. Say it with me, would you please? I follow after. Okay, that was like Presbyterian, I follow after. Let's get a little Pentecostal, I follow after. You ready? Here we go. I follow after. One more time. I follow after. Turn and tell the neighbor next to you. Ready? One, two, three. I follow after. No, no. I want you to preach it. Girls, get your preaching finger out. I know you've got one. You've always wanted to preach one sermon. This is it. Point at the center next to you. On the count of three, say it. One, two, three. I follow after. Now look at me. When I'm done tonight, you're not going to remember everything I say, but I want you to remember one thing, and the one thing I want you to remember is what? And it's not only something I want you to remember, it's something I'm going to ask you to take action on. I'm going to give you the deepest theological lesson about the Christian life you've ever witnessed. You ready? Got your pen handy? Take good notes. This is profound. It's deep. Pay close attention. Are you ready? This is the Christian life. You ready? Let me review. This is the Christian life. Always taking the next step. On the day you came to Jesus, look, six or seven of you last night took this step. It encouraged me. I met one of you, 18 years old, standing over across the way last night. He told me, he said, I got saved tonight. That's great. But now, wait a minute. That's not the end. That's the beginning. If all there is to it is you getting saved 
then when you got saved, we ought to hit you in the head with a baseball bat and send you directly to glory. But that's not it. Because God didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something. Look, he didn't just save you for heaven, he saved you for him. It's not just later, it's now. And so when you came to Jesus, you took a step. It was a wonderful step. It was the first step, but it was not the last step. And then the rest of the Christian life is this. Now what, Lord? Yes, Lord. That, yes, Lord. Now, Lord, yes. It's constantly listening for what God says is next and taking that step. Do you know what most teenagers think? Most teenagers think that the will of God is way out yonder in the future somewhere. You know, someday when you get married or when you decide where you're going to go to college, you have to choose a, a, a life track or some career. I mean, the will of God is out there somewhere. Hear me, please. The will of God is never future. The will of God is always present. You know why the will of God is always present? Because God is always present. God's not a future tense God. His name is not the I will be. His name is the I am. And he is at this moment speaking to you and showing you the next step. I have no idea what the step will be five years from now for me, but I know at this juncture in my life, right now where I am, there is a spiritual step that I must take. Look me in the eye, please. And there is a step for every person in this room. I have no idea what it is. Probably, I won't tell you tonight what your step is. I can't preach on everybody's life. I don't know everybody's life. But here's the beautiful thing. While I'm talking about this principle, the Holy Ghost of God, like shooting arrows from heaven, shoo, 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 to the hearts of people all over this gymnasium, is saying to you at this moment, this is your step. This is the thing that I want you to do. This is the decision I want you to make. This is the sin that needs to be dealt with. This is the person you need to reconcile with. This is the will that I have for your life. And your job is one thing and one thing only. It's not to know the future. It's not to have all the answers. It is this. Look, to take the next step. And can I tell you where most people are stuck? They are stuck at the last place they refused to obey Jesus. Here's what usually happens. People come to God, they get saved, they get all excited. Somebody says, get baptized, so they take another step, they get baptized. Somebody puts a Bible in their hand, says, now this is the word of God. You ought to get acquainted with this, you ought to read the Bible. And so they start getting acquainted with the Bible and they take another step. And somebody explains to them that they can pray. God will hear and answer their prayer. So they start praying, they take another step. Somebody gives them a stack of gospel tracts and says, you ought to share your faith with somebody else. Tell somebody else how you came to know Jesus. And so at work or at school, they start talking to others and telling people they got saved. And guess what? They took another step. And they keep taking steps like that until eventually someday they're sitting in a meeting like this and the Holy Spirit of God speaks again. And at that moment, they say, oh, that's about far enough. And instead of doing this, they do this. And they draw a line in the sand with God. And they say, I'm not gonna be a fanatic about the thing. I mean, that's a little too radical, Lord. I mean, I've taken all these steps of obedience. Aren't you happy yet? 
like they've done God some great favor. And instead of obeying God and taking the next step and going on with God, look, they stopped somewhere. And now they're stuck. And some of you are stuck. Some of you are stuck because last night God told you what to do and you didn't do it. Some of you are stuck because this time last year at summer camp, God told you what to do and you didn't do it. Let me ask you a question. How much of your life are you going to waste stuck at the same place? Some people say, well, I, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Well, that may be true, but that person may not necessarily have 30 years of experience with God. They may only have 10 years of experience with God because 20 years ago, they stopped growing in their faith and taking the next step. And I want to say to you, the Christian life is not one step. It's one big step followed by lots of little steps. And might I say it this way, it's one big yes followed by lots of little yeses. Years ago, I went bungee jumping. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Have you ever gone bungee jumping before? Fellow idiots, thank you very much, wonderful. Anybody that tells you that peer pressure stops when you're 18 is lying to you. I want you to know that. We were on a, a church staff retreat. Two of my buddies talked me in to go in bungee jumping. We were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And uh, true story, they weigh you before you jump. At the time, I weighed considerably more than I do now. And uh, I went to this particular place. They suited me up, put all the gear and the rigging on me. And you step up on a scale. I stepped on the scale. Right in front of the scale, there's this sign that says, if you weigh more than and it gives a number, you cannot jump. It's not safe. It's a true story. I step up on the scale. I look at the scale. I look at the sign. And literally, it says I weigh one pound over the stated limit. There's a teenage boy running the thing. and He looks at the scale, looks at me, and he says, oh, man, you're fine. Those scales aren't right. You're, you're in good shape. And I said, this is my life we're talking about. And I learned something. Teenagers don't care if you live or die. He said, no, seriously, the scale is broken, and you are good, good to go. So I started my march of death up the stairs. I'm not really afraid of heights, but I'm going to tell you, it's a long ways up on one of those bungees. I got all the way to the top. I'm looking down. I'm thinking, man, you're, you're the biggest dummy in the world for doing this. One of my friends jumped first, and he's a show-off. He got out on the end, and he did a somersault off the platform. He's flipping in the air. People are cheering and whistling below, and I thought, I am not doing that. My next friend had seven children at home, and he got pretty flipped out standing there looking down and he said to the guy up top that was running it, he said, hey man, I got seven kids at home and they really need a dad. I don't think I should do this. And the guy said, hurry up and jump. There's people behind you. And then I heard those fateful words. It's your turn. <laughs> and I edged out to the end of the platform. Whew. And I looked down at that little tiny yellow pillow that was at the bottom that was supposed to save my life from utter destruction. And the guy said, hey, buddy, you got to go now. It's your turn. And I said, what'd you do? I grabbed that thing and screamed like a woman all the way down. It was wonderful. <laughs> Let me show you what I did. Watch, please. I took one step. It was a big step. It was the kind of step you're not coming back from. And once I took it, there was no return. And you know what some people think the Christian life is? They think someday they're going to take one step like that and that'll do them. Like they're going to be in the perfect camp service. They're going to hear the perfect sermon. They're going to get this perfect emotion. They're going to pray this perfect prayer. They're going to make this perfect decision. And from then on, it's going to be smooth sailing all the way. Look at me. That day's never going to come. And I'm going to tell you why. 
Because though it may begin with one big step, for the rest of your life, pay attention, for the rest of your life, there are going to be steps that God wants you to take. About two years ago, God started working in my life. Oh, I've been working all along. We started working in a definite way. I'd been serving the same church in college for nearly two decades. Man, it was great. I loved it. Loved everything I got to do. All three of our children were born in that town. And we, we had a wonderful home, well cared for, life was comfortable, all was well. And then the Lord said, you're done here. And I argued with the Holy Spirit. Did you ever argue with the Holy Spirit? You're not going to win that argument, let me just tell you. See, I thought I knew better than God. He wouldn't leave me alone. And I sat in meetings like this one, going through the motions and doing my thing and knowing all along there was a step I had to take. A step of surrender, a step of death to me. A step of faith scared me to death. And I gotta be honest with you, I mean, I'm 40 years old now and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I took those steps when I was 18. I took that step when I was 12. I, I took that step when I went off to Bible college. I mean, come on, Lord, leave me alone. Life's good and I'm comfortable. See, I had no idea what was on the other side of that step. I had no idea what the future held. I, I had no answers. All I knew was there was a step and my responsibility was to do one thing, to follow after. And God reminded me of one of the great truths of the Christian life, and it is this. Though there is a place to start, there's no place to stop. Can I tell you where you start? Right where you are. See, everybody in this room is at a different place on their journey with Jesus Christ, but you've got to start right where you are, and you've got to make up your mind tonight that not only are you going to start right where you are, you're not going to stop until the day you see Jesus Christ face to face. And so how do you take the next step? Well, I want you to look at the rest of the verses that follow verse number 12. Let's make our list. Here's the first one. Look at verse 13, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number one, would you write this down? Here's how you take the next step. Number one, you take the next step by constantly taking one step. As a matter of fact, I've marked in my Bible in verse 13 this one thing I do. See, some people make the Christian life so complicated and so complex when God actually makes it very simple. Let me tell you the one step that you must constantly take. It is this one step that I must constantly be seeking to know Jesus in a greater way. Hey, the Christian life is not a list of rules your youth director gave you. The Christian life is Christ himself living inside of you. And the one thing that Paul talks about here is the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Hey, the prize, the crown, the prize of the high calling is not some reward you get someday where you get to prance all over heaven and everybody says, that was a great Christian. No, no, the crown is Christ himself. The reward is the Lord himself. The prize is Jesus himself. And the greatest honor of my life is to know Jesus Christ in a greater way. 
It begins with salvation. Notice the first word is the word brethren. You gotta be in the family. And the only way to be in the family is to come through the Son, through the Lord Jesus. You can't call God your Father if you can't call Jesus your Savior. And so it begins with salvation. And some of you need to get that settled tonight. I have no idea who I'm talking to, but the Holy Ghost does. Because right now, while a host of people got saved last night and got assurance of their salvation, there's still some people sitting here in this gymnasium looking at me and listening to this message and there's still that giant question mark in your heart. Listen to me. The devil brings question marks. God brings periods and exclamation points. You don't have to live and die with a question about your soul. Look, I wouldn't live another day wondering where I was gonna spend eternity. I'd get it settled. Drive a stake a mile deep in the ground about your salvation. That is the first step. And then that one step continues when every day you learn how to walk with him in fellowship. How many of you enjoyed God night time today? Would you raise your hand? Look, you can have that every day. And what I preached to you about this morning about the word of God and prayer, that's not a one-time thing, that's an everyday thing. This is the Christian life and it continues by taking one step constant. There's a second thing I want you to write down. Would you look please at verse number 15? The Bible says, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if... In anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Number two, write it down. You take the next step, first of all, by constantly taking one step, and secondly, you take the next step by being willing to take new steps. Paul says God's gonna reveal some things to you that you need to do. It's a funny thing about the Lord. He doesn't tell it all to you up front. <laughs> Aren't you glad he didn't tell you everything he wants you to do up front? You couldn't take it. You couldn't handle it. You know what we want? We want God to write a syllabus for us and drop it out of heaven in our lap so we can read it and decide whether we want to do that or not. And I want to tell you, the will of God never comes like a syllabus. It unrolls like a scroll. You don't get it in one big book where you can see the end from the beginning. Look. It unrolls a little time so you can read a line and do that, read a line and do that, read a line and do that because God has designed the Christian life to be a faith life and you've got to be willing to trust him at every step. Why do you think he calls it a walk? Do you know what a walk is? It's pretty simple. It's one step after another after another. I love the theme this week about staying the course. You know how you stay the course? One step at a time. And last night, the vast majority of you got on your knees in this altar and you said to God, God, if you'll speak to me, I'll do it. Well, he's speaking right now. Right now, he's speaking to you. And tomorrow morning, he's gonna speak to you. Brother Pope's gonna come in this week. One of the things I love about, about sharing a week with another speaker is to see how the Holy Ghost does this. I love it. Because he and I haven't talked about what we were preaching. Mm -mm. No, but you know what will happen? God will send the next preacher in and he'll preach exactly what you need to hear. And as the week builds and progresses, it's a glorious thing because line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, God's building and God's breaking and God's working. Why? Because God's trying to take you to the next step. And I came to plead with you tonight. Don't you stop. You know, you had to keep growing in the Christian life. Every time the Holy Ghost speaks, you say yes. When he says do something, you do it, and you do it right now. Immediate obedience. 
was preaching in a church in Kentucky some time back in the middle of my message. A young wife and mother, about four rows back, started weeping. She jumped up. She ran to the aisle. Instead of coming this way, she went that way. Hit the back door running fast as she could. I had no idea what was going on. She wrote me a letter a couple weeks later and she said, Brother Paulie, I was sitting in the meeting that night and she said, in the middle of the message, God brought my dad's face to my mind. She said, my daddy's lost. And she said, as I sat there thinking about my daddy's soul, I thought if he dies before this sermon's over tonight, he's going to hell forever. And she said, I couldn't live with it. She said, I had to leave. I'm sorry for disrupting. I had to leave and go find a phone and call my dad. She said, you know, he's never listened to the gospel, but that night through my tears for the first time in his life, he listened to me tell him about Jesus Christ. And she said, he's not saved yet, but she said, I believe he's going to be. And you know what? I think, I think that night her sermon was more important than mine because at that moment, she took a step of obedience to God. I was preaching in a church in West Virginia a few months back and gave the invitation at the end. There were people in the altar. I saw her kneeling to my right over by the piano. She was weeping. And one of the ladies of the church went and prayed with her. And when the invitation was done, the pastor called her name and everybody knew her. And it's a young woman in the church. And he said, she's come to tell the church that she was saved years ago, but she's never been scripturally baptized since she was saved. She was baptized as a little girl. She got her salvation settled later. You're supposed to be baptized after you get saved. And she's never been scripturally baptized and she wants to take care of that. In front of everybody, it was a big crowd there. In front of everybody, he turned to her and he said, now, sis, we'll take care of that on the Lord's day. She raised her hand in front of everybody and she said, no, sir. <laughs> I thought, what's going on here? She said, it's all right with you, pastor. I'd like to do it tonight. He smiled and he said, well, I appreciate that. He said, but the water's cold. We haven't heated it. It's freezing cold. You don't want to do that tonight. She raised her hand. She's, she's weeping now, tears streaming down her face. She said, to be honest with you, Pastor, I can't go home tonight till I obey God. I don't care how cold the water is. I just like to get baptized tonight. You know what happened? Everybody got seated. She went in the back and got baptized in freezing cold water. Somebody said, what do you think of that? I admired it. You know why? Because that was a young woman that made up her mind. She'd put it off long enough. She knew the next step. And by the grace and help of God, she wasn't going to let her head hit the pillow and end another day without taking the next step for Jesus Christ. You want to take the next step? You constantly take one step. You pursue Jesus. You'd be willing to take new steps. Number three, write this one down. You've got to take the same steps over and over. Look, please, at verse 16. Nevertheless, where two we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. I've marked in my Bible the same rule, the same thing. Let me tell you what the Christian life is. It's a lot of the same things over and over again. You never get beyond Bible reading, never get beyond prayer, never get beyond faith in a church, never get beyond certain things. It's the basics, buddy. It's the basics. Do you know where we fail? In the same thing. You know, Brother Mike, I got discouraged at one point directing a summer camp because I watched young people come in and make decisions and they seemed so sincere. And I believe they were. And then they went home. And three weeks later, they were missing youth group. And I thought, are we wasting our time? I mean, is this a sham? Let's get real here. Is this just some little thing we do one week out of the summer and, and everybody gets all stirred up emotionally but nothing really changes? What's going on here? And I remember praying, God, you've got to show me something. This can't be your way. And the Lord started teaching me some things. Not for them. 
for me. Do you know we've built an entire culture around camps and conferences? Oh, yeah. Where people go to camp or they go to youth conference and they get all stirred up and they get thoroughly right with God and they're on the mountain and then here's the rest of the year. And then they go back to camp. And then here's the rest of the year. And I, I got to thinking, that can't be right. That's nothing against camps. I'm at one. You're at one. Nothing against youth conferences. I'm in lots of them. I like them. But there's got to be more to it than that. Oh, there is. Do you know why there's such a stirring in your heart right now this week? I'm going to tell you. See, there's two yous. Sorry to tell you that, but inside of you, there's two of you. There's the old you and the new you. The Bible calls it the flesh and the spirit. By the way, they don't get along very well. They don't like each other at all. And they're always battling. It's an amazing thing, but whichever one you give the most attention to and feed, it grows. And so you're at summer camp. Do you know why suddenly, you know why suddenly you've lost some appetite and interest for some things? Some things haven't even crossed your mind in the last few hours. And now you're thinking about spiritual things and thinking about your life and thinking about things you don't normally, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because this week you're starving the flesh and you're feeding the spirit. That's right. You laid your phone down. Even if you got it out here, the internet doesn't work, so. Ain't no connection. I mean, you know, you're disconnected. You're not watching television. You're not hanging around with the wrong crowd. You're not listening to the filthy music. You're not into all of that. No, you're starving your flesh. And at the same time, you're feeding the spirit. You're getting a whole lot of Bible this week. I mean, they're preaching and teaching and devotional times and cabin devotions and everybody's praying and talking about the Lord. And I'm gonna tell you what's happening, whether you even realize it or not. While all that's going into you, look, please, your spirit is growing. And then we go home. We walk through the door and we're so everlasting tired that the first thing we do is we lay our Bible down. And we quit praying. And we go back to church. Yeah, we go back to church. But instead of sitting like you're sitting right now, like looking at me, interested and intent and expecting God to speak to you, instead of doing that, we go sit on the back row and cross our arms, kind of dare the preacher to tell us something. We get back with our buddies that cut up all during service. We're not really there to get anything. I mean, you know, just waiting till it gets out. Wonder how long you go tonight. And then we go home and turn the television back on. Surf the internet late at night when there's nothing fit to look at. And reconnect to the same friends we had before we came to camp that didn't come to camp, that didn't hear these messages, and really aren't interested in the things of God. And suddenly, you're starving your spirit and you're feeding your flesh. That's no, there's no mystery in it. It's not some spooky, magical kind of thing that we can't figure out. And the devil comes along and says, see, I knew you didn't mean it. That's why some of you are afraid to make a decision tonight because you've made so many decisions, you think there's something wrong with you. You think maybe you're just not spiritual enough. Let me just tell you, you're not spiritual enough. None of us are spiritual enough. And without Jesus, none of us can take the next step. But the devil's gonna whisper in your ear a lie. He's gonna tell you that's for people like your youth director who are really serious Christians. And you've tried that before and didn't, didn't pass muster. So you might as well just give up on it now. Look, please, you're missing the point. It's all about doing the same things over and over and over and over and over and over 
and over. You want to take the next step in your Christian life? Then you've got to constantly take one step and that is pursue Jesus. You've got to be willing to take new steps when the Holy Spirit tells you what they are, but you've got to continue to take the same steps that you're taking now when you're growing in your faith. There's a fourth thing I want you to write down. Would you look please at the next verse? Verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. Number four, would you write it down, please? If you're going to take the next step, you've got to be willing to follow proven steps. And I'm standing now in West Virginia on the farm in the middle of the winter. My granddaddy, who's with Jesus now, he was a man's man. He was, a, he was the Navy man that was at Pearl Harbor after the attack, helped the cleanup. He was a coal miner. He's crawling through a coal mine one day and a piece of coal fell and chopped half of his ear off. He picked it up, crawled out of the mine, got in his car, drove himself to the hospital, handed it to a nurse and said, sew that back on, please. And they did. And they didn't clean it out good. And when they sewed it, they sewed a little faint line of greenish gray coal dust into his ear. Till the day died, it was there. As a kid growing up, I thought, that's a man right there. I wanted one of those little lines on my ear. He was a big man. Big feet. A lot of snow in West Virginia, and I remember as a boy trying to keep up with him, trying to step in his steps because I admired him. And Paul said, hey, you want to take the next step? Follow me as I follow Christ. God gave you examples. God gave you patterns. God gave you somebody that's further down the path than you have been, that's on the journey with you. Why? So you can learn from them. The pastors that are here and back home, the youth director that brought you this week, the couple that took vacation time from their job to drive the van, the chaperone that volunteered to come to camp, they didn't do that for their health. They did it because they're interested in your life. The spiritual father and spiritual mother God's given you at the church, the person that paid your way to camp, the person that encourages you and got you a Bible and works with you. God Almighty brought them into your life. Why? To help you take the next step. And you listen to me with your heart tonight, young man, young lady. Everybody's following somebody. People say, I'll make my own way. Nobody makes their own way. Everybody follows somebody. And you're either gonna admire somebody because they're a good athlete or they're a good musician or they're a pop star or they got a lot of followers on Instagram or you're gonna admire somebody that's in love with Jesus and giving their life to the things that matter most for all eternity. And I came to tell you tonight, if you're gonna take the next step, some of you need to go home and instead of trying to get as far away from the youth director as you can, you need to get a little closer to him. And stop fighting against authority God placed in your life and stop fussing about the rules your parents have for you. Someday, you're gonna thank God for them. Hey, you think anybody ever made fun of Noah's sons? Building a boat for what? But on the day the heavens opened up and the rain fell and the flood waters started to rise, you hear me please, every boy in that town wished that Noah was his daddy. And I'm gonna tell you something. 
When all hell breaks loose on this earth, when the devil starts having his way, when the world is spinning out of control, there's gonna be a whole generation of young people, look, that are not flaunting it in your face. They are gonna wish they had the kind of people interested in them that you have had. You don't need what they have, they need what you have. Stop wishing for the day you turn 18, get out of high school so you can get away from all these rules and thank Jesus every day that somebody loves you enough to tell you the truth. You wanna take the next step? Follow some proven steps. And here's my last one. Notice how he ends, look at verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. <laughs> From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Number five, would you write it down please? Here's how you take the next step. You take the next step by living every day for your last step. Did you know someday you'll take your last step here? Someday. I'm not trying to be morbid, I'm just telling you the truth. I was out here on the main road today taking a run. A massive 18-wheeler came towards me. It was a beast. He was moving too. And for a split second, I thought, you know, if he veered just a little bit, I'm like the human speed bump. This is not good. Do you know there's a verse in the Bible that says there is but a step between me and death? Look, please. That's it. And someday I'll take my last here. And when I take my last here, oh, it won't be my last. It'll actually be my first. I will step for the first time into the presence of the one I've been preaching about for all these years. And I'm gonna give an account of my life. So are you. When I was a kid, I thought God had assigned an angel to me with a video camera. And he followed me around everywhere I went and videotaped every bad thing I'd ever done. Scared me to death. Because I had this crazy idea that in heaven this giant screen fell down and God replayed all my bad works and everybody saw it and it was gonna be very embarrassing. Some of you are kind of laughing right now because you thought the same thing, didn't you? Then I grew up and started studying my Bible and I found out that's not true at all. It's much worse than that. On the day you stand before God, it's not going to be you and all your buddies. It's going to be you and God alone. And on that day, you're not going to care that anybody knows. The only thing that's going to matter to you is God knows everything. One step. I'm going to ask you a question. What if you knew that at 9.30 tonight, 11 minutes from right now, you were going to meet Jesus? What would you do? 11 minutes from right now, face to face with God, is there any decision you would make? Whatever just came to your mind, you should do. And do you know why? Because it could be sooner than that. And frankly, we've wasted enough time. One step. On July 27th, 1989, I sat in the farthest, darkest corner of a building under a balcony by myself 
in a chair. And a preacher got up and preached like a wild man. He jumped and screamed and stomped and snorted and spit all over the first three rows. And I don't remember a single thing he said, not a single thing he said. You know what I remember? I remember that night God spoke to me. That was the night God called me to be a preacher. And I had a hard time. I'll just tell you, I was worried what my parents would say. I was worried what my friends would think. I was worried everything, everything worried me. And finally I thought, this is ridiculous. This is miserable. And somebody said, what'd you do? Let me demonstrate. I took one step. You know the funny thing? That aisle looks so long, but I don't remember walking down it. Some of my family was seated in that section. I was really worried about having to walk past them. I don't really remember that. I'm going to tell you why. Because when I took one step, the Lord helped me the rest of the way. And some of you tonight, you're real worried about like steps three, four, five, six, and seven. I'm telling you, all you got to do is take the next step. And if you'll take that step, friend, listen to me. Jesus will meet you on that journey. He's going to help you keep taking the steps. Till you see him face to face. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.